Hear the word of God from Acts chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and the dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, and again, welcome to Hyde Park United Methodist. I'm Sally Campbell Evans. It's my joy to be in worship with you today on Memorial Day weekend Sunday. I'm glad you chose to be in worship with us. Uh, kids sit together Sunday. Glad you're here with us. And um, a lot of folks have graduated in the last few days. And uh, congratulations to those who finished another year of school or are about to, three or four more days for the public schools. And... Um, I've been thinking this week about all the transitions and in those uh, plans that we have, sometimes we have to make a detour. Maybe we're not going to the school we first thought we were going to, or maybe we didn't get that award we thought we were going to get. It's made me think about detours, and certainly that's what's happening in our text with Paul and Silas. It made me think of this song by Green Day uh, with some slightly edited words. Um, <laughs> I'm um, just saying. Uh, the name of the song is Time of Your Life. And I love this, just another turning, uh, just another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. God takes you by the hand and asks you if you'll go. The song continues on to say, I hope you have the time of your life. And those of you who are headed off to new adventures, I pray that is true for you. But sometimes those detours, um, well, they just change everything. And lots of times they're pretty good detours, but we don't know it. It's a little scary when we're going through it. So I think about that when I think about Paul and his companions who have changed their course now and are headed to Philippi. I think the Spirit invites us to those turning points, and when we are paying attention and when we say yes, paying attention and say yes, the journey can have incredible adventures, can incredibly amazing outcomes. But how often are we really paying attention to the Spirit's calling in our lives? And when we are paying attention, what is it that will finally convince us to make the detour, to alter our course, to make a different choice? This week, I was reading a reflection from an acquaintance of mine for a bunch of years. Her name is Janet Hunt, and she writes about a recent uh, lunch conversation that she had with the chief of police in her town. 
And let me just share a little bit about it. Um, he is hoping to start a chaplaincy program, police chaplaincy program. And so as she's walking to lunch, what she's saying in her head is, I have to admit, my heart was heavy. I'm thinking, he's going to ask me to do something in my already full schedule. And this is what happened over the next 45 minutes with the soup and sandwich. I learned about our community, things I had not known. I learned a lot about the needs of people who are often invisible to most of us most of the time. And I learned about the pressures borne by those who are called to respond. I heard about the need for help. Now, I have to say, she said, it was not a real hard sell, like you've got to do this chaplaincy program. It was more of mutual sharing and wondering what it might be like for our church to work with the police department. I did not commit right away because I needed to talk to people in my church, but I will say there's something I will not soon forget. As I gathered up my things, the one across the table from me said, Pastor Janet, here is your mission. As you are walking back to the church, I want you to wonder, what is God calling you to do with regards to this? What is God inviting you to take hold of or to let go of? And what is it that you need to learn? Well, I don't know about you, but so often in my everyday life, I am quite busy. Sometimes I feel too busy to allow time to really ponder those deep questions like that. How is God speaking to you right now, today? What do you, are you supposed to do with that calling in your life? I don't listen or I don't listen deeply enough or long enough to really hear God's word breaking through the hubbub of daily life. And I wonder what I might hear if I was just half as open as Paul and his companions were from the text we read in Acts when he receives a vision of a man in Macedonia who is calling him to come over here and help us. This much I do know. I definitely will not receive such visions if I don't open my eyes and my ears and my heart to see what God is calling me to do and to be. And I dare say, you won't either. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious and loving God, we thank you for the wooing of your spirit. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are wide open and eyes to see you at work in front of us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So John mentioned... Or, uh, Danny mentioned that we are in the uh, fourth week of this sermon series called Surprise, and our real hope is that you would discover just a little bit of a plot twist in each of the stories that we read out of Acts, a plot twist that surprises you maybe or catches you off guard or changes your perception of your, yourself, your relationship with one another, and your relationship with God. So let's take a moment to really look at our text God's spirit is on the move all throughout Acts. It's an amazing book. And God's spirit is particularly on the move within Paul. Paul is the greatest evangelist of the Christian faith, and he's on his second missionary journey. He is going to take Asia Minor for the faith. 
he and his companions, Silas and Timothy. And it's quite likely that Luke, the writer of Acts, is with them. Because if you start noticing, from this point on, it becomes we, like a first person is there. So they are on an extended journey far from home. We know they have sailed from Troas, which is modern-day Turkey, to Samothrace, followed by Neapolis, and then they head course for Philippi, which is Greece. So they're in Asia, and they're headed towards Greece. But why did they take that change? Why Philippi? Simply because Paul paid attention to that vision, that dream, and his companions paid attention to it as well. They set their course for a man in Macedonia who needed help. They were listening. They were trying to be faithful. And they changed course and crossed that beautiful blue Aegean Sea. Now, Luke adequately describes Philippi. He says, a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, kind of cosmopolitan. And it appears that Paul's strategy when he would enter a town is he would explore the city, and then on the Sabbath day, he would search out Jewish folks. They would be ready maybe to hear, they'd understand who he was, where he came from, and he could talk about Christ crucified. So he would start out getting to know the city on the Sabbath, go to the, temple, the, the synagogue. And it's interesting, though. It says they waited several days. The appeal to Paul was urgent. Their response, change course, was immediate. But the results, well, that didn't happen right away. And I think that's like it is with us sometimes, too. We want this instant gratification, instant understanding, to instant answer to our prayer. It doesn't always happen quite that way, but that doesn't mean the Spirit is not working in you and in those with whom you are in community. So it's on the Sabbath, and he searches out a place of worship. If there was a synagogue, that's where he would start. But since it takes at least 10 Jewish men to organize a synagogue, on this mission frontier, this cultural frontier, there is no synagogue to go to. And so they went outside the gate by the river searching for a place of prayer. They don't find a man from Macedonia. They don't find a group of men. They find a group of women praying there faithfully. And they sat down and they spoke to them. That's a very typical posture for one who is teaching. You would read the scrolls and then you would sit down and you would converse. It, it made me think of like a small college co-ed class, you know, where you're intimate with your first professor and you get to call him by name. Well, here, though, is a little unusual that we have a, a um, Pharisee from Jerusalem, Paul, who comes and sits intimately and talks with this group of women. It is bold, and it is unusual, and these missionaries are crossing all kinds of cultural boundaries. And thankfully, Paul was listening to God's Spirit, because if he hadn't, if he hadn't gone to Philippi, well, it's possible that you and I would not be here in this church today. I'll tell you why later. So who are these women? And in particular, who is this woman, Lydia, that our text brings up? You know, there are just not a whole lot of women in the Hebrew scriptures. I mean, you've got Eve. She gets a pretty bad rap, I'm just saying. And you've got Deborah and Rebecca and Rachel and Esther. And, you know, you get a few more. And then in the New Testament, you get Mary and Mary. 
and Mary, and then there's Martha. But you get the point. There are not a whole lot of women. There are more men. But Lydia, what do we really know about her? So allow me to spend just a little time talking about Lydia because she's worth the effort. Lydia is from Thyatira in Asia Minor, which is a place that's famous for its purple textiles. The coloring of the dye comes from mollusks, from snails. They literally have to squeeze the purple dye out of them. No wonder they're expensive. It took a lot of work to do that. Thyatira deals in this linen, finest linens and clothing that is purchased by wealthy uh, people. In the, and so the city is somewhat wealthy, as is Lydia, a business owner. When we meet her, she has relocated to Philippi, perhaps because she's expanding her business. We don't know. The text doesn't tell us if she's widowed or just happened to be from a prominent family and, and was a prominent business when we don't know. But she seems to be the head of the household and is a dealer in purple cloth. I can imagine that this savvy, self-sufficient businesswoman is wearing some of the beautiful purple cloth that she sells. And um, she has been quite successful. And this successful woman in a male-dominated world has learned to be confident in the boardroom as well as quite at home in the trendiest Philippian boutique, I have no doubt. So while all of this is true and important for us to know what is of particular importance is to know that that information does not define her. You know, we tend to say, oh, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I'm a lawyer. Our professions define us. Instead of saying... I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God, and I happen to be a teacher. You know, we flip-flop it so often. So I think Luke wants us to know that what she does is not as important as who she is. And who she is, you can only get to know because it's an inward quality. You can only get to know that after you look her in the eye and see her heart. Look, engage into those eyes and listen to the pleadings of her heart. The writer of Acts tells us that she is a worshiper of God, a Gentile attracted to Judaism. Wasn't that interesting? And then he tells us she is a searcher. She's one who listens eagerly to what Paul has to say when he addresses this small group of women. And then finally, Luke tells us she is from Thyatira, that place where we get the purple cloth. Only after we know of her deepest longings do we learn of her profession. And it seems that that is more important to Luke than who she is and what her heart is like than any of her financial means. So God is on the spirit not only with Paul but with Lydia, a woman of faith who listens. Truly, it's amazing what listening will do for you. This Recently, I was in a conversation with a couple that had been married many years, and it's like they have stopped listening to each other. I don't want anybody to say, oh, I understand. I don't, 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 don't have to confess this morning. But sometimes couples do that. We know what the other is going to say so much that we forget how to listen deeply to the longings of their heart and what's really on their soul. And so this couple... We're talking over each other, trying to prove uh, the point they were trying to make or maybe prove the other one wrong. And we just had a lot of stepping back and talking about the power of listening without speaking, just listening. And, and Lydia was doing that. She listened eagerly to the words of Paul. 
Yes, Lydia was listening to us, Luke says, and because she was such a good listener, the Lord, the Lord opened her heart. And the very next verse, immediately, she and her household were baptized. Now, let's just imagine that scene for a moment. I've been to this spot in Philippi, and I don't know if y'all can show this up on the screen. You weren't prepared for that, but uh, there you go. Oh, good. Oh, that doesn't do it justice, but... um, this is just a little part in the river, really. And now they make an amphitheater because people like to come and remember their baptismal vows. But this is significant because she, Lydia, was the first convert to Christianity in Europe. That's why it has so much to do with our, our ability to be here today. So she uh, is the first Christian convert in Europe, and she was baptized, she and all her family. Now... I like to think that this CEO type woman was dressed in her finest linen and when she was touched by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, she jumped in that river and with abandon, with vulnerability, let the waters of baptism flow upon her. She doesn't care what it looks like. She is receiving the extravagant love of Jesus Christ and that allows her to be vulnerable and free. She doesn't care what others might think because the Lord has opened her heart and that is all that mattered. And then she, the head of her household, got all of her household to also be baptized. And then she said to Paul and Silas, Timothy and and Luke, if you have found me faithful, come and stay with me. Now, she could have said, hey, Paul, listen, I know all the bigwigs in town, so I'll set up a meeting and you can talk to the power brokers. Or she could have said, let's get together for coffee and I'll introduce you to Mo because Mo is like the head of the syndicate or whatever, you know. But she didn't. With humility and grace and honesty and vulnerability, she offered hospitality. She said, come, come to my house. One pastor put it this way, to ask Paul and his friends to stay in her home is her way of asking God to do the same. I hope this text invites you to think about when was the last time you were really listening to God and when are you inviting Jesus to be at home, make his home in you and you in in him. For indeed, this lesson is all about the power of conversion of one person at a time, one detour, one unusual encounter, one gift of God's grace where someone's life is changed. One Sabbath morning, Lydia, an ordinary woman just like you and me, was introduced to the amazing and transformative love of Jesus Christ. And that transformation caught hold throughout all of Europe and far beyond. One changed heart, one life at a time. I think for many of us, we think, well, what's that little bit of good going to do? What's that little bit of tutoring going to do? It's going to teach a kid to read. It's going to change their life. We may not see the benefit always of those actions that we do, but they're important. One changed life, one changed heart changes the world, raises the reign of God on earth. So I wanted to share one story about a man named Michael Billister who 
did one small action and it changed many people. In the 1930s, he visited a small village in Poland and he was a preacher and as he got ready to leave, he gave one copy of one Bible to one villager who read it and the Lord opened his heart and he had a conversion to, the, to Christianity and then he passed that Bible on and he passed it on and the whole village started being converted to Christianity, late 1930s. Several years later, in early 1940, he returns to the same village and he preaches to the gathered Christian community. And then normally he asks for testimonies. But this time he said, uh, why don't you stand up and recite a verse that you've memorized? And one man knew Matthew, Luke, and half of Genesis. Another person had committed every one of the Psalms to memory. It made me think of my grandmother who said, learn the scriptures while you're young so they will carry you when you are old. The single copy of the Bible, God's Spirit working through it in this community, the single copy given by Villister sunk deeply into this community and the hearts of all those who received it. The surprising result of one small Bible, one small action had borne fruit and hundreds of lives were changed, transformed. Paul met a group of women who were eager to learn more. Lydia, one woman, listened and the Lord opened her heart and she was transformed and because of that, countless others have been transformed a new spark ignited in Macedonia that spread into a blaze. And so, will you open your heart? Will you listen to the wooing of the Spirit, whatever that is right now? I know some of you are going through big decisions. Some of you are at a crossroads in life. Listen deeply. And I pray the Spirit would open the way and make it clear for you. Will you pray with me? Oh, loving, gracious God, we thank you for faithful folks like Paul, like Lydia, like Billister. We thank you for people who have touched our lives that we don't even know who they are, and yet they've made a powerful influence on us. We thank you for those detours that take us off the track we think we're going on, oftentimes to something better. And also, we pray for those situations when it's not better, but we trust that you are not only walking with us, you are working through those situations as well. So help us, O oh Lord, to be faithful. Help us to listen to one another and especially listen to you. This we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So friends, as we continue our worship this morning, let us receive our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, and those prayer requests. Thank you. 